This show is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, the podcast where we discuss topics we believe requires critical and nuanced thinking. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at saythiscast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at saythiscast and go to saythiscast.com if you want to hear previous episodes. Hey, party podcast people. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This. I'm Nicole and I'm joined here today uh, by my co-host, Genre. Hello, everybody. And today we're going to have a bit of a conversation about some emerging feelings and thoughts I've been having about the online political space and just about political engagement in our American democracy or in a representative democracy in a broader sense in general. So uh, we're just going to jump right in there. That's a big topic. Yeah. um, And I hope that I do it justice. But uh, also I wanted to say, whereas typically on this show, I talk about things where I have very developed ideas. This one is somewhat new to me, but I think that it's interesting and it um, is dominating my mind right now. So (laughs) and I think it's on a lot of people's minds as well. I was watching yet another online lefty get canceled for some racist remarks that were made two years ago, and I was kind of observing the situation. I saw the tweets myself. There were Discord logs, so I saw those as well. And then I watched a couple of people cover the matter, and I had this really weird realization eventually. In watching all of these streamers, I realized that the conversation surrounding this uh this uh, contention had nothing to do with the underlying issue of racism. Sure, the, uh, the, the logs were racist, but right away, straight off the bat, no question about it, everybody involved said, yes, this is racist. And the conversation kind of turned into, hey, do we believe that this person is uh, a good person if they've redeemed themselves in a way that would be befitting of somebody who should get a quote unquote second chance or whether they should be able to keep their platform if deplatforming were something that any online community were coordinated to enough to actually fucking manage. So this was how long ago was was the initial i don't know act i don't know um infraction the infraction was uh there were it's hard the timeline is weird it seems the majority of it was from a couple of years ago and that there were a couple of things that were more recent and also i should say that um on the side of this there were also some allegations of this guy being like a sex pest online oh. Uh, so, you know, some of those seem to be uh, faked, I'm sorry to say, um, and others seemed like they weren't exact, like we didn't exactly have details because um, the people involved didn't want to say anything. So we're kind of in the space where we have evidence that contradicts one of the narratives, but then the rest mm-hmm. of them are like not being talked about for because it's obviously sensitive but then you leaves you in a weird situation it's a whole thing yeah it it seems it seems all the hell over the place it is and the strange thing is that uh you know there are these issues about like yes we should get rid of sex pests in these communities and we should not 
be super open to racist, out and about racist um, in our leftist content creating spaces. That makes sense. If you're bred to, you shouldn't be fucking racist. Yeah. I mean, I hope that's just. That's like part and parcel with being bread tube <laughs> yeah. at this point. That should be kind of obvious. And so that was one revelation. The conversation was not about racism. The uh, second revelation that I had was that even though I was initially super drawn to this drama just because I thought it was interesting and I wanted to see if this guy who I had followed on Twitter for a little bit was actually a racist or what was going on. But I realized that my interest in the situation was a little bit off. Uh, I only followed him on Twitter relatively recently, and most of his tweets were pretty good. And in reality, I can't say I care about this dude. I didn't watch his content before, and so nothing about the situation was going to change my relationship to his content afterwards. It was either, you know, he's not a racist and I'm not going to watch his content because I'm just not interested in it. And then afterwards, if he was a racist, I'm definitely fucking not watching his content afterwards. And mm. and furthermore, I realized that this guy is fucking tiny. This guy has about 20,000 followers on Twitter. And I think that that number is up from when I first uh, started following him. 20,000? 20,000. 20, on Twitter? On Twitter. Gee, and that's, on his that's tiny? And on his it's it's relatively tiny in terms of streamers. Wow. And on his uh Twitch, he has four thousand subscribe he has four thousand followers, which is legitimately tiny. Yeah. For for where he for where he is, that is definitely tiny. Yeah. And so this controversy was talked about by streamers with over a quarter of a million subscribers. There was an article written about it on fucking Vox. Uh, it was taken all over the internet. It went viral. And the fact of the matter is that this person and his content reaches a tiny sliver of the people who were engaging in this massive drama mill and also probably didn't give a fuck about this guy. And didn't so they know, were just piling on just to pile on? They were piling on and looking at these things and judging the logs and judging this person from the sidelines. Um, and, you know, maybe they saw one or two bad tweets in their time because the guy gets around in a certain area of Twitter. But I'm betting not since his area of Twitter is somewhere a lot of people avoid. In terms of the way that he used his platform today since he started streaming, because that was somewhat recently, it doesn't seem like a lot of people had huge issues with it. It was fairly non-controversial. The entire issue was down to these leaked logs and whether or not he was a good or bad person. And with those revelations that I came to, I had this moment and I flashed back to all of the internet drama I've ever seen from YouTube personalities just not liking each other and taking pot shots from across their um, respective communities to the fights between new and old fans of Fire Emblem and even places like the makeup community. And I started to notice a lot of similarities. 
To me, it seems like the political streamers have kind of unintentionally mirrored the way that other communities go through drama, so to speak. In the makeup community, uh, the example comes to mind, like people argue over, you know, you used my palette, you didn't use my palette, you said that you would do a collab with me, you didn't do a collab with me. Various vapid forms of just like feuding over money and other bullshit. And with Fire Emblem and such, just feuding over what games you like and what games you don't or what <laughs> unit is your favorite. I mean, it's it seems that it, it wouldn't be like an, an unintentional mirroring so much as a this is how online communities evolve. Like it's just something that happens like with a with certain niche, like, you know, like with the makeup community and the and the fire emblem community and probably a Pokemon community and stuff like that. It's just infighting because like that, that's like part of the evolution of the community. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's probably fair. My issue comes in kind of with the uh, subject matter that political streamers talk about. Yeah. Um, it's way more important than fire emblem. Yeah. When political, streamers have arguments it's typically contention over issues of race or trans rights or like on the nature of the fucking Uyghur genocide and it just seems a little bit strange that these two have the same way of being talked about yeah so you know it's fine for two communities to have these arguments but oftentimes an argument that starts out of a contention in terms of, I think that these comments were racist that you said, I don't, and like, you know, that's the contention turns into, I think that you're a bad person. So it kind right. of flattens the issue and whatever it was initially about, which is ideologies becomes an interpersonal spat. And that's pretty fucking bad when your goal is to talk about issues and i feel a little bit like i fall into this at times with this podcast even i was looking over my past few episodes and a lot of episodes have just been about issues that have been brought to mind because i'm talking about internet personalities as a springboard to talk about political issues and that's fine sometimes but sometimes i'm afraid that in that I miss a bit of the political issue and lean more into the drama because as a human being, that's more interesting to me. Right. I mean, when we're talking about this stuff, we, we I mean, even us, we are part of the political streamer, political podcast on the internet community. Um, you know, like we, we need to hold ourselves and hold our, uh, compatriots uh friends neighbors <laughs> friend, uh, like peers pe uh, uh, yeah peers peers is a good word um we need to hold our peers and ourselves to a higher standard because of the important subject matter i'm not saying that um the makeup community isn't important because that's that is important to them and, and it's important to a lot of people um but we're talking about stuff that is life and death in some cases it's important it's important that we keep in mind that despite our interpersonal feelings that at the end of the day the political space is about ideologies 
for instance, you might need to work on a pol- with a politician on something, but the majority of politicians are probably repugnant human beings and has nothing to do <laughs> with what needs to be done. Similarly, when you're arguing over ideologies online, sometimes the people you're going to be arguing with or against are going to be like repugnant to you. And it doesn't even have to just be that they're problematic. People sometimes don't get along for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but whereas in a space where the stakes are somewhat lower, that matters less and you can fight each other on like the issue of like, you know, you went to TwitchCon and they didn't say hey immediately when you said hey or they didn't recognize you when you were both on that panel. It matters more the bridges you choose to build or burn when you're talking about politics because a lot of this shit rises above the importance of whether or not you like a person. Yeah. This is life like life and death kind of kind of stuff. You know. It's the the interpersonal stuff just needs to take a backseat. Yeah. And the thing that kind of upsets me about these types of situations is that I think that there that this type of shit is kind of dangerous. I think that people uh so I I have an example that I wanted to mention. So earlier, a Twitch streamer, who, who of which I do not like, just so everybody knows, <laughs> uh, tried to do canvassing work for a progressive candidate in the Omaha, Nebraska mayoral race. Oh, uh, I think I know. This you know. work got stopped short when internet leftists started a campaign to bring light to that streamer's former piss poor remarks. That streamer being Destiny. Um, <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to gonna be, keep that. Yeah. This Secret or not, but I not. mean, we all know it's destiny. Of course, it's but, destiny. Um, yeah, but like, and to be clear, those comments were fucking abysmal, and I think it was terrible optics for uh, the candidate who I'm not who I am going to anonymize because I don't think he deserves to be connected to destiny in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but his his remarks were bad, and but the actions of the leftists in terms of like publicizing this and writing hit pieces on destiny in relation to this candidate meant that they kneecapped a fairly progressive candidate in a really conservative part of the country. Nebraska is not some sort of progressive uh, bastion. It's not a leftist stronghold. And the candidate was really pretty far left for American politics. And he had a real shot because of the work that Destiny was doing. And now he has less of a shot. And I think that internet people made the job of his political opponents way easier by taking it upon themselves to do this action. And of the many people who talked about this, the most common justification for destroying Destiny's efforts and hurting this candidate's campaign, the most common one was that Destiny isn't a good person, which he isn't. But him being a bad person, <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> he's not a good person. He's a Rittenhouse defender. Fuck him. But him being a bad person is not a meaningful political issue. It's not a reason to throw a candidate away over just in the way that biden isn't like you know there are a lot of reasons that you could hate biden (laughs) but uh hunter isn't a valid reason right so this is what we we saw this throughout the campaign like uh, throughout the the presidential campaign people candidates getting lambasted for the people that supported them and 
you know, like a, a Bernie caught some flack, not because of anything that he did, but because of some of his, his supporters were just idiots and they were, they were just ruining his reputation by proxy. Or like Sean Joe King. Rogan. Like if Sean King supports someone, then I think, then I think twice about them. And, uh, and yeah, Sean King, I know you're listening. Don't, don't sue us. I know you like suing people. Anyway, <laughs> he like his support of Bernie actually turned some people off because of just how he was. If we if we look at just the candidate or just look at the person that they're trying to support and and just forget the people that are around them for the most part, especially if they don't choose to be around them, then I think that's just a net positive, you know? Yeah. And Joe Rogan. Like, Joe Rogan is a, a piece of shit in many respects. And he said passively one day that he's probably going to vote for Bernie because he liked free health, because he liked uh, Medicare for all, which, like, you know, it's not the most popular thing in the world, but a lot of people do like that. Yeah. And people freaked the fuck out because uh, Joe Rogan said that he liked Bernie Sanders. Yeah. So this is an instance of like, you know, political hobbyists treating the political drama sphere as though it was somehow actually connected to political reality rather than an interesting diversion. And I think that this is incredibly dangerous for the aforementioned reason. In both of the real life situations that I've brought up, I just talked about like internet leftists doing terrible things in the name of what they believe to be activism. I don't think I mentioned this, uh, but the guy that I talked about initially got doxxed. So that's leftists collaborating with Kiwi Farms, which is a Nazi website in order to dox this guy. <laughs> and that's not good. It's fucked up. Uh, when you're justifying doing things that harm individuals, or harm somebody who you're politically aligned with and your justification is, I don't like something going on online. That sucks. Mm -hmm. In this way, they're elevating this online space to the realm of what they deem to be actually political. But this is not meaningful activism. It's hobbyism. And it's worth mentioning that this is bad. Like I said before, that shit where you're going on to Destiny's Discord and you're digging up logs on people to see what they said when they were younger and in his community, you know, whether that's good or bad, that's not activism. Call-out tweets are barely activism unless, you know, you're fighting for some sort of, like, legitimate wit if you're calling out a place because they're breaking the law or they're treating their workers like shit or they're hurting people that's one thing if you're calling somebody out for some past tweets that's not right. fucking activism that's activism is trying to make life better for you for you and for the people around you that's that's what activism is. that's what we're trying to do and you have to ask yourself is this a good use of your time. Like, do you really think that, that doxing someone because you don't like what they said like years ago is beneficial 
to what you're trying to support. Yeah, I mean, I could I couldn't stop thinking about that one little detail about like, you know, people doxing somebody over this or like digging in on Destiny's server to find people's uh past comments. I was just I was taken aback. I was like, Jesus Christ, these people think they're fucking Antifa. But to be clear, the majority <laughs> of people who are legitimately Antifa, not us, dox people <laughs> who are like paramilitary, who are stockpiling weapons, who have a right. legitimate desire to do harm. They do not spend time doxing fucking Twitch streamers because good I ideas, bad ideas. Twitch streamers don't do that much in the way of real politics. And it sucks that when one tried to move offline and do something important that they were raked over the coals for some some shit ass comments and an entire political campaign which would be a marked benefit for you know left-leaning people liberal progressive socialists you know whatever it would have been a whatever, win for yeah. us in essence over you know a republican winning and that got derailed because of a fucking twitch streamer that drives me crazy to think about. This reminds me of, you know, an episode from year one. It was uh, our ninth episode called Sectarianism versus Progress. And we talked about how uh, we can't how we can't just kick people out of doing like the, the important work that we're trying to do just because we have some personal beef with them. Yeah. And to be clear, this is worse than sectarianism. Um in a lot of ways, because we're not even just talking about like, or it's, I guess, a, a, like an advanced form of this, because at this point, it's not this that you're kicking people out who you don't like for whatever reason. It's that you're taking online shit from people that you don't know. And you are taking it into the realm of the very uh, into like the very real realm of like, you know, people's personal safety or like actual real politics right and you're making decisions based upon the actions of a political figure quote unquote who only exists online and only speaks to a very small subsect of people online it can sometimes feel destiny is a twitch streamer who's been in the game since twitch came around he's a really old streamer this being said, even as a quote-unquote pillar of the Twitch community, which I don't really think that he counts as, he doesn't fucking matter in politics <laughs> at all. I mean, and I, and yeah. I don't mean to—I don't need to pick on fucking Destiny either. Like, I mean, I'm okay. Vosh, Denims, uh, RGR—none, like, very few of RGR actually is, is like connected to actual politicians but even so twitch's overall political capital in the real world as just streamers and not the company itself is very small negligible at best to the and there and so is their sway not to say that it's not important political streaming is very new um comparatively uh, i mean political podcasting isn't as new but you know we we on on this show and on on streams we we are trying to reach people but it's not like it's like zero 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 five percent of the population yeah. you know and it's uh it's and it's indirect yeah 
I can't pro like I can't promise you today that by listening to this podcast and agreeing with me that I'm going to put food on your plate. Like that's not the type of shit that we can do. As opposed to like if I were yeah. a if I were in politics running for office. But you know, this is only the first half of what I was thinking about. Because I've also noticed this kind of thrust against this type of stuff. I think that this is self-correcting. When people see people engaging in this kind of like vapid political hobbyism, a lot of people decide like, hey, I'm going to pounce on this because it seems fucking stupid. And some forms of political hobbyism are stupid. But I just wanted to reflect on if this is new, if this is new to the, because of the internet. And really, I don't think it is. I think that in a representative democracy, those of us who care about politics are, at all, the majority of us are hobbyists to some degree. Think of the millions of Americans living in the Midwest, watching Fox News every night for 20 or 30 years, just thinking about how Mexicans, Jews, and Black people they've never met are ruining their lives. I have a, a memory of uh, I had a Jewish ex, and she was telling me this story once about how she was riding in a bus in the city where we went to college, and she uh, saw this guy, and the guy said, I, I have no idea why this got brought up, that Jews were taking all the jobs in that city. Now, to my mind, there were probably about 20 Jewish people in that town, most of which were associated with that college. <laughs> and the, the larger issue here is that jobs weren't really being taken by anybody. There was a factory in that town 40 years ago, and the factory moved away, and all of the jobs went away, and the economic prospects of the town died for it because these jobs were outsourced to China. That guy was engaged politically to a certain degree. He probably voted red. He probably voted Donald Trump for people he thought would bring the jobs back or to get rid of the people taking his jobs. Um, <laughs> yet, if he wanted to engage in useful politics, he might engage with the reality of his situation, the situation of his town. Shit he already knows about. That the factory left. But instead, he chose to listen to conspiracy theories that didn't reflect his reality or the reality of his town. He focused on shit that affects other people. Or nobody, but let's just say other people for the sake of simplicity. Got it. Millions of people also do this with inner city violence, Mexico and Black Lives Matter and trans rights. And on the left... We often rightfully concern ourselves with international conflicts of which we have no control over. And it's good to care. But if you're an American and your politics are oriented around a conflict you have no direct access to, what are you but a hobbyist as well? And I'm not saying this to deride anybody, I should say. Moreover, other than voting day, when do people actually really express their political power? Occasional protests. Protests are getting more common, but they aren't that common. In reality, it's just not really a regular thing that people do every day to express their political or democratic power. 
And I'm not really sure if there's anything wrong with that, to be perfectly honest. It's kind of baked into the system that we have. Politics, for most people in a representative democracy, is a hobby. They're important. Organizing is important. But we're forced to relegate those political motivations below the motivation to stay housed and fed and hopefully get enough sleep. We don't have that much room to make politics a priority, unless it's our jobs. Right. Or unless we have the time and and the resources to actually get involved in in uh, the community in some in some way. And even then, it's it, it's indirect by nature of a representative democracy. You're going to be lobbying politicians. You're going to be talking to people. You're going to be getting people to do demonstrations or to sign petitions or to show other people that they're going to face political ramifications if they don't do what you want. You're not going to be expressing a opinion in that like on a daily basis in the form of a solid vote, right. you know? It's a hobby. It's actions that indirectly impact political action. I don't think that I mean when when we say like political hobbyism it's not necessarily a bad thing like being being kind of engaged like not being like as a as a job but you know like we like would you call Nicole would you call us political hobbyists? Yes, this is what this is the realization that I was coming to. Yeah. Often this this term political hobbyism is used to apply to people who kind of are like, you know, interested in something, but it doesn't impact them and they're not actually going to get out there and do anything. But it's like, what are you if you get out there and do things the, the often the things that people will offer you to do is to like, you know, organize unions, but not everybody's in a position to do that um, or to join an organization. But I'm in an organization. I still feel like a fucking hobbyist or just, you know, any number of things that still are alienated from the very basic premise of a democracy. The only people who get to engage in that directly are politicians themselves. And I don't think it's right or even like appropriate or correct to impugn the actions of voter is a valid thing to be in a democracy. You know? We're just describing being a informed voter here. That's a form of hobbyism. And that's fine. It's your duty to stay informed, but you're also alienated from your representative in a certain way. You do not know your your representative most, most of the time in a representative democracy. That's just facts. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I will use this as a time to get on my soap box and say that this is often why I wish we lived in a more democratic society, that our jobs were governed by more democratic principles. I want democracy to not be a hobby to us. I want us to have the freedom and comfort and ability and right to exercise our political right as people who live in a democracy on a day-to-day basis. Um, I think that politics could be more meaningful in our day-to-day life if this was the case but it isn't and it i think that this is that this alienation from from politics that exists in a representative democracy is what motivates a lot of us to find outlets for this feeling of hopelessness or of inaction on a day-to-day basis 
we can't alleviate those feelings um, because we can't really make politics our number one priority. The majority of us, the proletariat, people have to work for a living. And speaking for myself, uh, I often follow creators for information, but at a certain point, I know that I also follow these creators because they make me feel like what I'm saying has a platform or like I get to see my ideas do well in a debate. I want to see my faves debate people and to present the opinions I share as well. So you want a representative in in that community. You want someone that to represent you in those debates or or in that content. Yeah, I want to feel more connected to my politics or to my political power. And I'm in, and it's impossible for me to do that. I can like sign a petition, but that doesn't feel as I can I can sign a petition, I can go to protests, I can organize whatever the fuck that means. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, there's that certain underlying alienation that I can't alleviate. Um, and so I follow people and I engage in political debate and I listen to political debates because it makes me feel more connected to that. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but I don't think that I am because I feel like I've seen a lot of people do this. But I do feel like I need to reflect on my own consumption of political content creators like I've been this entire time. A few months ago, I made the decision that I'm not going to listen to any more content on the nature of the black IQ gap or whether trans girls should be allowed to play sports. What? I've heard all of the arguments um, and someone does need to hear those debates because they haven't, but it's not me. I think it's important that the communities where people hear these arguments and like go stop compulsively listening to them and delivering them and find new opportunities to just like keep going over the same five points with people who already know what you're about to say and already have their response loaded in the gun and ready to fire. Because that's just, you know, us struggling against this endless cycle of trivializing these issues just to validate our own feelings of insecurity or our own alienation from the political, uh, the real political instruments that operate within our society. Um, and like, when I say people, people is me. And, you know, that's all I have for this episode, because I think that it's all still stewing around. So uh, onwards and upwards, as my grandfather <laughs> likes to say. <laughs> I think that the, the most important thing that, I, that I'm getting out of, out of this conversation is that um, when we, we, we are doing this podcast to try, to try and help and to try and, and, and at least get a few people to hear the arguments and hear the ideas that we are trying, that we are trying desperately to implement in in our country we aren't we this is not a, our professional careers so in that way we are we are political hobbyists there's nothing wrong with that it's 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 good to be informed like like nicole said it's good to be informed it's good to be um engaged and we just have to remember that this is more important than uh, like petty squabbles, and if you are getting sucked into those those petty squabbles, then and and you're trying to 
destroy someone or dox them or something like that, you aren't helping. And that's one of the reasons why we don't really, you know, like we don't talk about if something's happening, we don't really name them because it's a situation. We don't need to like attack anybody. Yeah. And I would just like to add on to that, that, um, I don't think that I think that political hobbyism is uh, intrinsic to a representative democracy. So I don't think that it's valid to impugn each other for that. However, I think that there is a form of political hobbyism where you take the alienated pieces of like, you know, political commenter space and online discourse and you try and use that in order to guide your real life actions and I think that that is inappropriate. I think that people should stay far away from that type of engagement. I think it's unhealthy, uh, both because it elevates this online shit, which is alienated from real politics and, you know, elections and, uh, you know, the fight for various marginalized communities rights. And it elevates the 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 discourse that exists online to like the actual level of importance of what's actually going on it's hard to articulate that but you're taking like a symbol of that issue and you're fighting like that symbol is the issue itself right and i think that that is a issue don't do that remember that one is more important than the other they're not the same and they shouldn't be weighted the same So as we always do, uh, we are going to take this time and talk about stuff that is making us happy, positive stuff, because it's always important when we're talking about heavy things, important things. Of course, we want to make sure that we uh, we consider all that. But we also don't want to forget that life is good in a lot of respects and thing. There are things that give us joy so nicole what is giving you joy currently while we're thinking about it um, in this episode cool um, <laughs> so i uh start i installed uh don't starve together to uh play with my uh girlfriend we don't starve is a uh, survival game that is pretty much on every platform that exists um that and is... those start together is the multiplayer variant it's a uh, kind of like tim burton-esque like survival experience it's pretty hardcore um it's by a really good company too um yeah they made a uh, uh, mark of the ninja um and like one of my favorite games so um they did a they do really good work yeah all of their games are pretty good they also do oxygen not included which is another good game that's not my cup of tea mm -hmm. Um, but Don't Starve Together is a really fun time. And what's been bringing me a lot of joy is that it's a super complex experience. There are like seasons and temperature systems and you can't get wet and every character has their own fucking special bullshit. Can't get wet. And the combat, yeah, like getting wet is really bad. Uh, when it rains, fucker. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh, I didn't um, even was... <laughs> 
I wasn't even uh, trying to never okay. <laughs> okay. He wasn't he wasn't he wasn't trying to do it to him. I did yeah, it because you I'm did it to yourself ruined. there. <laughs> I'm ruined. Anyways, uh, but there are a lot of different systems like hunger, sanity, all of these things to balance, and it's super complicated. And I fucking suck at it. <laughs> and I hate and I hate being bad at things. Um I'm somebody who like um uh, I have like a shocking inability to be bad at things. Um, it is one of the things that I'm trying to work on because I'll just quit. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm bad at something, I will fucking quit. I don't give a fuck. Uh, but I'm trying to get better at being bad at stuff. So I spent like the last week trying to get better at Don't Starve Together and I am getting better. Um, I was I was like dying on like the fifth and seventh day, and I have a uh, save file where I've actually uh, survived until winter. But um, I ha I uh, ha I logged off today when I was getting destroyed by a pack of fucking spiders. So I definitely lost that <laughs> one. But you know, it's exciting to get to day thirty. Um, and now I have ideas about what I have to do earlier in the game to not pigeonhole myself so fucking bad on day 30 when it turns to winter. And I think that's just kind of an exciting process that I haven't let myself go through in a while. So it's uh, nice to learn new shit. Yeah. So yeah. What's making you happy, genre? Well, I was trying to think of something like uh, there are a few ideas that I was having, but your your thing actually reminded me of something. Um, you know, you, you've been playing don't starve together and you're, and you're learning and improving. Um, I, one of my favorite games is Dragon Ball fighters. I play it all the time and I've been at the same rank for a while and that's fine. You know, I play it to relax. I play it to, to have fun. I'm not trying to be like a pro or anything like that, but you know, you always want to improve lately. I have been going in the rank above where I was stuck for a while. And for the first time, I actually beat someone above that rank, which is hey. crazy to me. I, I looked at the, the screen. I was like, he's what? <laughs> he's how good? You know, and uh, so I've been I've stabilized in a rank above where I've been for the past like year. and. It was really cool. I took a screenshot and everything. <laughs> it was really, it was really awesome. Um, That's like when I got in Diamond in League of Legends and then immediately dropped back to gold. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's exactly what, yeah. Uh, but, you know, you reach that peak. And even if you, you know, even if you were playing against someone that was a higher rank, they were, they had a bad day, you know, you still beat them. And it's a little thing. It's a small thing that not a lot of people will really respond to or understand. Um, but, you know, unless you're like really into fighting games and you know about ranks and everything like that, but it's a personal achievement and we, it, it's a, it signifies like a, a long time of just trying to learn more and trying to improve. Um, so I think both of ours, is just a signal of us just being intellectually curious. Uh, and I'm not. And, and <laughs> I'm trying to work on that. 
<laughs> you, you shut up. <laughs> That's my character flaws. I don't care. I know everything. <laughs> you don't care, except you've been really trying to be better at this game. <laughs> I'm trying to learn to give a fuck about being bad at things and learn how to be less bad. <laughs> and that's that's also like a good thing, like trying to that's a that's self-improvement. And I think it's really cool that that both of our things are about self-improvement and trying to get better and trying to as as well as having fun. Uh, so thanks everybody for listening to I Should Have to Say This. We put our episodes out twice a month, um, every two weeks. Uh, and if you want to, uh, hear more episodes or find out where to subscribe to the podcast, if you're just listening to clips or something, you can go to saythiscast.com. Uh, you can contact us through there, or you can email saythiscast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to support the show, there are a few different ways that you can do that. You can go to coffee, that's ko-fi.com slash say this cast and give us like a one-time thing. Or you can go on Patreon, patreon.com slash say this cast, surprisingly enough. And we have a lot of tiers there. We can, uh, if you go to different tiers, like we are just uploading all of Nicole's outlines for each episode. So you can see her thought process and the, it, it makes me think of that, that, uh, that meme with the guy with all the, the, the papers on the wall with the red string. That's how I, env- yeah. that's how I envision you writing these episodes, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> so you can see. Yeah. You're not, you, you people aren't getting revisions. You're getting a finished product. But just. <laughs> so you yeah seriously um (laughs) you should hear like what we what we do like when we're when we're off air anyway you can get that just for a dollar a month for five bucks a month you can hear the episodes at least a day early and uh get uh special roles in our discord uh, if you do $10 a month, there are a lot of extra stuff that you can get. So um, patreon.com slash say this cast. And like I mentioned we, mentioned, we have a discord. There will be a link in the description. We also have a YouTube channel. Uh, if you search for I shouldn't have to say this on YouTube or if you just click on the link in the description of this podcast that you can do there we would really like some some follows uh and we would really smash the subscribe button <laughs> hit that smash subs- <laughs> hit it hit that subscribe Crash. button and hit that smash bell your icon head against to it. Be- <laughs> <laughs> so just do it yep. <laughs> so just uh go to the youtube and um and and subscribe it would really help the show it's something that you don't really have to worry about uh nicole where can we find you online you can find me on twitter at jack of three trades that's three is in the number and on twitch on my dead uh twitch uh (laughs) channel at the same thing i'll get back to that eventually eventually maybe maybe Uh, but yeah I'm there you'll find me there I uh, post cringe on Twitter so enjoy that it's true it's It's really true you can follow me on uh, on Twitter at press start lock Uh, if you want to see the other projects that I do um, like we always say planetsidepodcast.com but specifically press start to continue is my uh, music podcast we play um, video game remixes nerdcore hip hop 
Um, speaking of video game remixes, there's a remixer that we really enjoy called Mustin. Mustin uh, did our theme song and any music that we play on the podcast. If you want to learn more about him and get some of his music, then you can go to store.mustinenterprises.com. I shouldn't have to say this, is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. If you want to learn more about that, go to planetsidepodcasts.com. lambasted because of people that decided to support them like what i forget his name um people call him talcum x what what, what is um dave rubit was it no it wasn't no. Dave, it wasn't davy uh it was uh oh i, I know only... who you're fucking talking about yeah talcum x what is his name <laughs> i'm gonna look it up i can't i can't take this joe uh, rogan no, Sean, really? Sean King. Oh, fuck. Talcum X. <laughs> fuck. 